You guys can be seated. How y'all doing this morning? All right, it's great to be at the OP campus. I haven't been out here in a while, but it's always good to be here. Uh, I was the campus pastor out here for almost uh, seven years, so I, I love coming out here. It's the best campus. Everybody knows that OP is the best. Can I have an amen? Yeah. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 26. I've uh, been excited to share this word with you. Acts chapter 26. And this is Paul's account on the road to Damascus. He says in verse 12, While thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king. So it's in the middle of the day. He's going to, uh, Apostle Paul's walking to Damascus. And he says he sees a great, a, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining all around him. And everybody saw it, those who journeyed with him. And he says, and when we all had fallen to the ground, so they all hit the ground, he hears this voice, and it, it's in Hebrew, and it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Goads are like pointed sticks that they kept animals with. He says, so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise. He tells him to stand to his feet. He says, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So he sends them to the Gentiles. He says, verse 18 is what I want to speak to you on this morning. To open their eyes. Come on, everybody say, open their eyes. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I want to talk to you about the subject, open their eyes. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. God, we thank you for your presence here. God, we draw near to you and you draw near to us. We thank you for your love and your goodness in our life so that we could leave today changed and closer to you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, TJ. Come on, let's give it up for TJ and the team here. And Jake, Jake's singing. I didn't even recognize him. He has long hair now. I'm jealous. So he's been, Jake's been singing here a long time, man. Gosh, just a little kid when I knew him. Now he's up here. He's the guy with the long hair. I don't see him and he's out. All right. Um, man, what a fan, TJ, what a fantastic team you have, uh, Brad and everybody. I mean, it's great to, I recognize a lot of you. It's great to see a lot of you today. Great to see everybody today. New faces and, and some old friends here. Great to see you. Um, this topic, open their eyes. You know, when we started the church years ago, we used to put these uh, signs out. For those of you who don't know me, uh, name's Chris. Nice to see you. One of the pastors at Celebration, a lot of new folks. When we started the church, we used to put these uh, signs out, and we even put them out here for a lot of years, and they said, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, does anybody remember those signs? You know, you know, why did we put those signs out? Because it's true. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us, to worship the King with us. 
And so I started saying years ago, we're an open their eyes church. Right from this scripture here, Jesus sent Paul, he said, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And so I started saying, we are an open their eyes church. And then it says, we are called, Paul says this, that he's called to the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? It's someone who's not a Jew. And so another translation in some scriptures is heathen. So people who don't know the Lord. That's whenever I say heathen, I said, that, Chris, you, that reminds me of me when I was younger, a heathen. So, so, but it really just means people who don't know Yahweh, the one true living God. So he's called to the lost, to people who don't know the Lord. And so we put these signs up and they said, we're so glad that you're here. And I remember, uh, you know, this is what I learned from that. When people come into our church, to, our church campuses, you can't fake that, can you? You either feel accepted. When you go over to someone's house, you either feel like you can tell they're really glad you're here or they're just ready for you to go, right? If they walk back and start playing with their dog in their backyard, they're probably ready for you to go, okay? But you can't, you can't fake it. People can tell either you're glad, to he you're glad people are here or not, and we're so glad that you're here today to worship the king with us. Amen? And so this is what I, I used to hear this all the time. You, you don't attract who you are. You attract who you are. Everybody heard that? You attract who you are. And, that, you know, I'm a 50-year-old white bald man now. So uh, I found that's not always true. You attract who you love. And people can tell the difference. You can't fake that. And when, when you have a house, a church that's open, accepting to, where, to reach people where they are, no matter what color their skin is or their church background, people can tell. It's an accepting, that's the heart of uh, Jesus, amen? That's the spirit of, that's the heart of Christ. Accept people right where they are. And I pray that this morning you can still feel that, that we're so glad that you're here. A church that looks like heaven, diversity. Aren't you glad that not everyone looks like you? OP has got to be, it, OP used to be one of our most diverse campuses. And I, I, I can remember being at OP and seeing, like, here at OP and seeing, like, a soccer mom from Fleming Island, a cowboy, which is probably Dan Horner. He's not here anymore. I don't see him. <laughs> a cowboy, a, a kind of a, an urban-looking guy, you, you, you know, <laughs> A homeless man, I mean, this is, a, a, this is OP, isn't it? You can't get more diverse than OP. It's a diverse place. It's a church that looks like heaven. How many of you know that's what heaven's going to look like? And so I'm talking to you about an open their eyes church. It's people from all backgrounds coming together to lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords the Lord Jesus. And people come in and you sense God's presence and it's, his presence fills this place. He inhabits the praises of his people. We're all in, all in worship together. People coming to the altar, the meeting place with God. The altar, I just call it the meeting place with God. People coming to receive prayer. Pastor Robert bringing a word or a word. How many of you know coming into God's house, receiving the word of God? It's powerful, isn't it? The Word of God, it's, the Scripture says all Scripture is, is given by inspiration of God. And Timothy, that means it's God-breathed. 
All, script, all scripture is God-breathed. And so God breathes out this holy book, these holy scriptures. He breathed it out, and then we breathe it in. It's our breath. It's our life. The scripture says that, that he, uh, the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Word, and the Word was with him, and the Word was him. And so when we eat, we, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the holy scriptures, it's our breath, it's our life, it's our bread, it's our light, it's a lamp unto our feet. It it's, gives us wisdom, amen? It's how we live as, as we breathe in the word of God. It's our food, it's our bread, it's our water. And so that's an open your eyes church. We're so glad you're here. You're coming, you're worshiping in God's presence. We're receiving the, the bread of life together. We're coming to the altar to hear a, a word from God. You have a friend that comes alongside and, receive, and, and, and agrees with us in prayer. Can you see the power of an open your eyes church? Open your eyes. Can you think of how many people in this community could come and receive life from an open their eyes church? And so he said he's called to the Gentiles, called to those who are lost. No matter who they are, what color their skin is, their church background. Then it says to open their eyes from darkness to light. When I was younger, in fact, when I was much younger, when I was 18, I was a bouncer at a bar in Louisiana. And uh, Stovall Weems, who was the founder of Celebration Church as well, we worked at a bar together. I always say... Only God can take two bouncers and make them pastors. Amen. It's a miracle. But when they, I know none of you have ever experienced this, but whenever you're in a bar and they close it, they do what? They turn on all the lights. And people scatter like cockroaches. Uh, okay, I know none of you have ever seen this in a play, in a bar, but I'm just telling you if you've never been there, that's what happens. And so Jesus sent Paul to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light. A favorite verse of mine in, in these days after I got saved was, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I used to think, that's me. I was once in darkness, but now I'm light in the Lord. I'm going to walk as a child of light. I, I was working at a gym after that. And everybody I saw in that gym, I said, I was once in darkness, but now I'm light in the Lord. I want to encourage everyone to see the light of God that's in me today. You were once in darkness. I was like, yep, that was me, but not anymore. Now I'm light in the Lord. I'm going to walk as a child of light. Let's talk about uh, spiritual blindness. You were once in darkness. Jesus sent Paul to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. When you're in darkness, you are what? You can't see. You're spiritually blind. And so the scriptures teach us that unbelievers are spiritually blinded. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Look at that scripture. It says the God of this age 
has blinded, spiritually blinded people. 1 Corinthians says this, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. It says this, they, they're blind, they can't see. It says they are foolishness, it, it's silliness to them, it's lunacy to them that you would believe this. Why? It says they can't know that, but why? Because there's a veil over their eyes. They're, they're spiritually blinded. And speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus said this, leave them alone. Let the blind, they're blind leading the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, what happens? They both fall into a ditch. Spiritual blindness. And so, Paul was sent to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, in order that their eyes would be open and that they could see, see what? See that Jesus is the Messiah. See that it, today's the day of salvation. That's what they, they came to see. See that this is the fulfillment of all of their prophecies that they've been waiting for, but they couldn't see it. The Holy Spirit had to open up their hearts. They had to have hearts to seek after Yahweh. And then they would realize, today's the day of salvation. And so in John chapter 3, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And you guys know this story, right? He goes to Jesus at night because he doesn't want him to see him. And Jesus says this, he says, Very truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. And he said, how can someone be born when they're old? He says, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. That's a natural birth. And born of the spirit, that's a spiritual birth. You should not be surprised. I like the King James. It says, you should not marvel. Don't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, Jesus said. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Jesus says, you must be born again. That's another way of saying your eyes are now opened. And we use different language for that. Some people say, a new life in Christ, loyalty to Jesus, a fresh start with God. Whatever it is, something significant happens, doesn't it? It's more than just a mental ascent. You have changed kingdoms. One thing is sure, there's a supernatural change that happens the scripture says in Colossians, you have been translated, you've been conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You've been changed, you've been translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. You've switched kingdoms. That's when your eyes are open, you've, you've come into a new kingdom. The scripture says, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, you were made alive who were once dead in your trespasses and sins. Now you're alive. That's your eyes are opened. You're in a new kingdom. About 30 years ago for me, I was just a secular kid in college. I didn't know anything about God. And the Lord just began to give me a desire and a hunger for spiritual things to try to ask some questions that I didn't even think about. What happens when you die? What's life all about? It's got to be more to life than just making some money and dying. 
Living for yourself, living for hedonism just means living for pleasure. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be something bigger than this. And I just started asking questions. I began to seek a little bit. This old man at this gym I worked for gave me a purple paperback New Testament in modern English version. That's what I needed. I needed like a children's Bible. I didn't know, I tell people, I didn't know the difference between Noah and Moses. I didn't know a scripture. But I just, I came home from work one night and I just began to read this little paperback New Testament, and I'm telling you guys, the Holy Spirit began to work in me, and my eyes were opened. And I remember reading in Romans, and just it making sense. And I, I just said, oh my gosh, I see who Jesus is. I needed a Savior. I understood that I needed a Savior. I understood why he came. And, when, and it, it's not about Head knowledge so much. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word is a seed. It's the incorruptible seed. Peter says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. And the word of God puts faith inside of us. And it produces a heart. It produces faith, which leads to being born again. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you'll, the, the Lord Jesus and you'll be born again. You'll be saved. And so that's what has started happening in my life. And I'm like, I understand who Jesus is. And I just, for me, I just got down on my face and I just began to weep. And the Lord was just ministering to me and healing my soul of wounds and brokenness in my heart and my soul that I didn't even know was there. And I got up, friends, and my eyes were opened. I had been conveyed, I had been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Tra- change kingdoms. Something, ha- you shift kingdoms. It's a cosmic shift. It's a seismic shift. It's not just a mental ascent that I believe in Jesus. The scripture says even the demons believe and tremble. And so it's it's. It's more than just a mental ascent. It's a commitment. It's, it's you are Yahweh. You are the son of God. I'm committing my life to be loyal to you. I am in your kingdom now. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And now he's, he lives in you. The whole, now, he, now you're his son and you're his daughter. You're indwelled with the spirit of Christ. The scripture says as a guarantee, a deposit within you, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so you've changed kingdoms. And I began this, this summer, I just began to pray. And, and I was, this scripture was in my heart. This scripture that I, 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 we opened with in Acts, it says, Jesus sent Paul to open their eyes and turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. And I said, man, we're an open, your, open their eyes church. That's what our church was founded on, to open people's eyes. And then I, I said, what does it mean to be under the dominion of Satan? Because it says to turn them from the power of Satan to God. That word power, it means dominion. I said, what does it mean to be under the dominion of Satan? And there's another scripture. It says this, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 
That word sway, it means power. We're under the dominion. The, the, the sway, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. So when you see the word world in the scriptures, many times it's referring to people in the world. Many times it's referring to the earth. But a minute, most of the time it's referring to the world system. So the world system is everything in the earth that's opposed to Jesus and, the, and Yahweh as, as, and God's kingdom. It's opposition to the kingdom. The war, there's a whole system that's opposed to the kingdom of God. And that system is under the sway of the wicked one. That's why the scripture says we are in the world but not of the world. This is why the scripture says the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our God. But right now, Adam and Eve had dominion over it, but they forfeited their dominion. And a fallen entity took control over the world system. And he allotted different principalities and powers to control regions of the world. And we are slowly taking back ground from him. A person at a time as the kingdom of God takes hold in people's hearts and they're born again. That's how the kingdom works. But the scripture says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And it says, we, Paul said this, we wrestle not against principalities and powers, but against spiritual hosts of wickedness. In the heavenly places, that's regional language. That's like a hierarchy. We, against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. These are fallen entities, fallen beings that are controlling regions of the world. Under his sway. So when we recognize that, what does it mean to be under the dominion of Satan? Under his power, under his sway. First of all, there's no uh, promise of eternal life there. There's no forgiveness of sins. It's a different belief system. It's different values. Darkness works through our fallen nature, through our flesh. Dark. What, what is the works of the flesh? Galatians 5. You know what they are. The, uh, strife, anger, murder, all of these selfish acts, a- ambition, all of these things, sexual immorality, all these working in our fallen nature. Carnality increase, the works of the flesh, it just selfishness, possible addictions. We know the thief does what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. Jesus came to do what? Give us abundant life, life to the fullest, real life, true life. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son has not life. And so it mean to, to be under his dominion means you're in a different kingdom. And that kingdom wants to still come and destroy your life. He wants to rob you and lie to you, and he wants you to live in defeat. The, the, have you ever seen, have you ever gotten a little puppy and his eyes aren't open yet? You ever seen a litter of puppies? And they can't, it takes two, a couple weeks for their eyes to open, doesn't it? You can try to open their eyes, but it, it, it their eyes aren't finished yet, and they have to form, and then they can see. 
And so that's like us. Our eyes are opened. We were once in darkness. Our eyes are open. And now we are in the kingdom of, we've been translated into a new kingdom. But now it takes some while for us to learn to see clearly. That's called discipleship. And that's a never-ending process of sanctification in Turo with the Father. That's why discipleship is so important, because we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we have to learn to live in this new kingdom. You can't snap your fingers and learn to live in a new kingdom. You have to learn the kingdom ways. You have to learn to walk with God. And it, can't, it doesn't happen in a day. That's discipleship, a new way of living in an upside-down kingdom. It's an opposite kingdom. The first will be last. The last will be first. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's opposite. It takes some time to learn to live in an upside-down kingdom, doesn't it? Because it's not how you were taught, probably. It's not natural to you. It takes faith. So what's it like to be under the kingdom of darkness, to be in, under his dominion, under the father of lies? This is what I resolved. Certainly a lot of those things I mentioned are true, but it really reflects our identity. If, he can, if, if the enemy can rob you of your identity, he can cause you to live in defeat instead of victory in your life. If he can get these seeds of lies deep inside of you, then no matter what's happening on the outside, you'll live in defeat and not freedom. Especially for young people. I, as I was studying this a couple of months ago, I said, I so want my kids to not to, to understand these lies. They're there for all of us, but especially if you're a parent or especially if you're a teenager. This is for you. So four primary lies regarding our identity. Number one is you can be like God. This lie says this. Remember, the gar remember when they were in the garden and the saying said, you can be like God if you eat of this your eyes will be opened. It was really a lie because if they ate, they were disobedient to God and they were cut off from the life of God. They were already created in, his God, in God's image, but they, it wasn't enough and they succumbed to the lies of the enemy. You can be like God, and to me what this lie says is this. There's no accountability for you. You can live however you want to live. You can do whatever you want to do. There's no accountability. When you die, you'll just be in the earth. That's a lie. Because the truth is there's only one God. His name is Yahweh. He's distinct and separate. There's none like him. He's the Lord God Almighty, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're not him. Romans says this. If you want to read Romans 1, it's the downward spiral of man. It says this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie 
and worship the created thing and not the creator. He's the creator. We're his creation. We worship him. We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship each other. We don't worship the earth. We worship Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. That's the truth. The scripture says this, submit to God. James, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Step one, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Step one says this, submit. He's the Lord. We submit unto him. Step two, resist the devil. Trying to resist the devil, but you haven't submitted to God. Step three, draw near, and he draws near. That's the truth. The second lie, the enemy wants to come. He wants you to be under his dominion, and he wants to say this. You're not wanted. It's a seed. It's a seed in your soul. Maybe you've experienced shame or rejection, which we all have to some degree in life, but some much worse than others. Some people experience tremendous rejection on the earth. And if that's you... If you felt like you've been rejected by your family, by a spouse, by friends or a company, even a church, if that's you, a couple of words. Your rejection is painful, but you've never been rejected like the Lord Jesus. The scripture says you haven't resisted yet to the shedding of blood. Jesus was rejected by people that he loved. The greatest rejection, they chose Barabbas. They, they said this, Barabbas. They said, who, who do you want? Which, which do you, people do you want? And they, they chose Barabbas, and they said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine the rejection? The Son of God, many of those people that maybe he even healed. And this is what I've learned about rejection is Painful as it is, when the enemy wants to come and say, you're not wanted, that lie that keeps you under his dominion, God is choosing you for something greater. And rejection is painful. But I'm telling you, there's always two narratives in every situation. There's what you experience, and then there's what the Lord is doing behind the scenes in your life trying to work all things for good and trying to get you to a different place. That rejection, God takes it and works it for good, and he's got something better for you. He's, cho- he's choosing you. Joseph was rejected, but he was chosen to, slay- to, to save a nation. Jesus was rejected, but he was chosen to be the Savior of the world. You're rejected from this place in your life, but God has something. You just can't see it yet. So the enemy says this, you're not wanted. Can you imagine if we had a young lady here and she had this seed that was planted, something happened in her life, and now she feels unwanted. Can you imagine what happens next? She becomes desperate to be wanted. I'll do anything to be wanted. Can you see the enemy's hand? Can you see the power of an open their eyes church? Open their eyes to turn, turn from darkness to light. The third lie says this, you're not good enough. Many high achievers, 
uh, TJ and the, the team, you guys can start making your way up. Many high achievers succumb to this lie. And they say this, if I just worked a little harder, if I just had, if I was a better Christian, let me tell you something, friends, you'll never be a good enough Christian to serve God. It doesn't work that way. It's called grace. It has to come from the inside and operate out of love. And what that means is you're never, you will never be good enough to, to please God. So what happens is you surrender and you come to the cross. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin and his goodness and his grace, which says this, you don't deserve my love. You don't deserve the goodness. And you receive that by faith, and now it starts to flow from your heart and from the inside of you. And now you're starting to change effortlessly from the inside because of the love and the grace of God giving you what you don't even deserve. That's the grace, you'll never be good enough. The scripture says all your goodness is like filthy rags. The only thing that can cleanse you is the blood of Jesus, not your good works. But so many people have this lie, and it's just this, you're not good enough. You have all the trappings of success. In America, we have a good life, but you're still not enough. You look in the mirror, and you're still not there. You know, that's a lie that's keeping you from God's best. You have nothing to prove, nothing to lose. He loves you just how you are. There's nothing that you can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or love you any less. That's freedom. Amen? The fourth lie says this. You don't really matter. Are you guys still with me as we close here? Jesus sent Paul to open eyes and to turn from darkness to light. The enemy wants to keep us in darkness. The whole world is under his sway. How does he do that? Through lies. The scripture says he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. He lies regarding our identity. You can be like God. Just live for yourself. There's no accountability. You're not wanted. You don't fit in at the church, at your family, at school, at work. You're not wanted. God doesn't want you. You're not good enough. If you could just do better, then you'd be accepted. The truth is you're complete in him who is the head of all principality. The truth is that we have this treasure. That's the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The truth is that you're a daughter of the king. The truth is that you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. The truth is nothing can separate you from his love. And the last one, the lie that gets so many of us regarding our identity is that you don't really matter. How many young people Walk around and think this, I don't really matter. I could disappear and it probably wouldn't matter. Or how about this, the real you doesn't matter. If you were this type of person, you would matter. If you could be this type of person, then you'd matter. But the real authentic you, who, how God made you, it doesn't matter. Can you see the lies? Can you see how the enemy 
wants to keep us bound under his dominion? The truth is that nothing can separate you from his love. And if we get our identity based on horizontal relationships, if we get our identity from culture, from Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and the news, if our identity is horizontal, culture, we're going to walk in defeat. But if we can get our identity vertical, where you are a son of God, you're a daughter of God, we live in a different kingdom. Our eyes are open. We've turned. We've repented. We live in this kingdom. If we could live there, we'd walk in freedom. Amen? Come on, let's stand together quickly. I'm just going to pray for you as we close. Come on, maybe, maybe that's you and you say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I just want to be included in a prayer here as we head into Thanksgiving. Boy, I tell you, me for me, uh, a few years ago, this, these years, these months were some of the most difficult spiritual warfare years for me for a lot of years. So I know some of you experienced those same things. You know, the holidays have a tendency to amplify where our lives are at. If things are going real good for us, they're great. If things are difficult, they're more difficult. So I just want to pray. As we head into these holidays, if that's you, maybe close your eyes, maybe lift your hands to open to receive prayer. I'm just going to pray for all of us. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you open our eyes and turn us from the power of Satan to God. Thank you, Father, that we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. If there's anyone here and they just feel like they don't matter, the real them doesn't matter. You knew them while they were in their mother's womb and you created them exactly how you want them to be. Father, I thank you for breaking, for setting them free from that lie that not only do they matter, they are loved unconditionally and nothing can separate them from your love. Father, I pray you would just touch them and reveal to them your love for them today. If we're trying to feel like we're not good enough, we're just on a hamster wheel, just trying to achieve and be a better person or do more for you, God, I pray that we'd be broken and just find freedom and rest as your son, as your daughter. Father, I just thank you for freedom to come. God, we love you with all of our hearts. God, we just, we just thank you that you love us, that you cleanse us. If there's any errors or lies regarding our identity, I pray you just break that in the name of Jesus and let your love come right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that scripture that says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With loving kindness and tender mercies, I have drawn you. I will rebuild you and you shall be rebuilt, saith the Lord, in the name of Jesus Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for God.